you know, the, the, the misconception that Giving Tuesday is just a fundraising day does frustrate me. It doesn't frustrate me because I think that fundraising is bad. I'm really, really thrilled that Giving Tuesday leads to many organizations, including small and mid-sized organizations, being able to gather more resource um, and to use Giving Tuesday as a megaphone for their causes and issues. I think that's amazing, and I think it's critical. And um, and beyond that, I think that those organizations really grow in collaborative and innovative capacity as a result of their use of Giving Tuesday as a platform. Um, so I think that all of that is is totally, totally wonderful. It's the, it's not the but, it's the and, right? Mm-hmm. So Giving Tuesday is also um, used by, uh, by communities from tiny little towns to big cities to entire states to communities in t- other countries to entire countries um, really as a strategy to grow generosity in those countries, in those communities, with the belief that a more generous community of whatever size um, is going to lead to a healthier and more resilient community on almost every level. Welcome to season three of Group Thinkers. I am your host, Justin McCord, back for another season and so appreciative that you would uh, choose to fill your podcast feed with us today. Listen, you have tuned in to a very exciting episode of Group Thinkers. This is the first episode of our third season launching today on Giving Tuesday 2019, which is super appropriate for our guest. And I'm going to get to that in just a moment. But before I do, I just I want to reset the stage for this listening experience. Group Thinkers, you know, we're now in our third season. This is a podcast that was created by RKD Group, uh, which is a multi-channel marketing and fundraising services company. And on each and every episode of Group Thinkers, we chat with innovators from the nonprofit marketing space, you know, people who are doing things differently, who are tackling today's marketing challenges with a unique perspective. And and that's really a wonderful lead-in for the guest of this episode, which is Asha Curran, the CEO of Giving Tuesday. Uh, you may not realize Giving Tuesday actually began in 2012. It was an initiative of the 92nd Street Y and the United Nations Foundation and has quickly become one of the most important movements in modern philanthropy. In, in 2018 alone, on Giving Tuesday, an estimated $400 million was raised through multiple channels, and that's what was counted through donation platforms, counting online donations, not anything coming in offline as a result of marketing efforts around that day. Uh, But as you're going to hear from Asha, Giving Tuesday is so much more than a single day built around fundraising. So in this episode, we get into the process to create a movement, how Giving Tuesday was born, and how it's now looking at philanthropy on a global scale. Uh, we talk about how the state represents changes and how people participate in doing good, which is really um, a wonderful topic. And it's amazing to hear Asha's perspective. Uh, last thing before we get into this episode... We, we would love to have you connect with Group Thinkers on Twitter or Instagram. You can find us at Group Thinkers on both of those platforms. And, and there we chat about each and every episode. Uh, each Tuesday for the next two months, we're going to drop a new episode. You know, in seasons past, we've dropped all of our season-long content at once. And, 
and now in our third season. We've learned a lot. We've learned about uh, you, our listener, and what you're interested in. And so we're going to be dropping on a weekly basis each and every Tuesday for the next couple of months. And so we hope that you'll connect with us in between episodes to chat about the episode uh, and, and talk about the challenges that we discuss with that innovator uh, featured. So without any further delay, and because today is Giving Tuesday, here's Asha Curran on Group Thinkers. Hey, thanks for checking out this episode of Group Thinkers. I am, uh, I'm honestly thrilled here in November to have my guest for this episode, Asha Curran. Uh, Asha, uh, you are the CEO of Giving Tuesday, and that's only part of what you do. And you're joining me in December ahead of Giving Tuesday 2019. Thank you so much, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Justin. I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, you know, I really appreciate you taking time out. Uh, off mic earlier, we were talking about how this is one of the many busy times that that you face with your role. And so I want to I want to talk about your role. I want to talk about Giving Tuesday, and its genesis, some of the beliefs and misconceptions around it now, and what's happening with it, uh, and all that good stuff. But I want to start with you and your background. And so it, I would love for you to take a moment and just share your journey and how you ended up in this position with Giving Tuesday. Yeah, it's sure. It's a it's um it's a pretty nonlinear path that brought me here, but of, of course it would be, right? Because I mean, what kind of um, linear path would bring somebody to be uh, leading Giving Tuesday? Right. Um, so I've had a, just a bunch of different careers since I graduated. Um, I'm a New Yorker since I was three years old. I was born in India. I was raised by a single mom. Um, my various careers have involved things that seem like they have no relation to each other. Um, so I was in book publishing and then I became a, a certified um, childbirth educator, and I taught couples and families for many, many years. Um, I started working at the 92nd Street Y as a lecture coordinator, became a director of um, of Jewish lectures there, which was funny because um, I'm not Irish Catholic by background. Um, so also, all sides are like really counterintuitive, uh, various career paths, but really I think with a sort of common theme of um, finding things interesting and deciding to learn as much as I can about them and then moving on to the next thing that I find interesting and hopefully leaving uh, something positive in my wake. Uh, yeah, that is nonlinear. Like that is incredibly uh, nonlinear, yeah. but, but I love it. And and you're right. I do think that uh, as you and I have gotten to know each other and, and that spirit of what you just shared about um, leaving an impact and, and bettering something that speaks directly to your role and and the the place that your team has on the nonprofit space right now with Giving Tuesday. Can you give some insight into the history behind Giving Tuesday and then just kind of reflecting on its growth as a, a movement and then also as a community? Yeah, so Giving Tuesday was created uh, at the 92nd Street Y, where I no longer work anymore, obviously, since I work only on Giving Tuesday now. Um, but it was created there. Uh, I was chief innovation officer there for several years. Um, but I was actually much more junior than that when Giving Tuesday was um, was born. It was the idea of my then boss, Henry Timms, who's now CEO of Lincoln Center. Um, 
And we started it with what um, what we call the posse approach. Uh, so we were really sort of building a coalition around the idea uh, with lots of different just sort of friends and colleagues and people that we happen to know um, and, and literally just sort of like shopping the idea around saying, what do you think of this idea? And will you help us with it? And will you be our ambassador? And um, and I think looking back, that was a that was a really great approach because it it created uh, a bunch of communities of people who felt a lot of co-ownership um, with the movement. So any number of people sort of threw in ideas that became like really essential parts of what Giving Tuesday is even now. Um, so, you know, Giving Tuesday over the eight years of its existence has essentially grown from like that smallish posse to a big global posse, right? It's a it went from being a, a coalition of you're going to sort of ragtag coalition operating on very little resource, having an idea that we really believed in, um, trying to build it experimentally and creatively and responsibly um, into being a, a global coalition or, or global layers of coalitions. Um, and that's really been Giving Tuesday's evolution. So everything that happened after that first year was really very much um, organic. And in many cases, really surprising. So the original idea of being, you know, a day of giving following Black Friday and Cyber Monday, right? mostly positioned around giving to nonprofits, has become something not different than that, but something so much more than that. So I don't think looking back, you know, if we were to create Giving Tuesday now, we wouldn't position it around Black Friday and Cyber Monday because those those ideas are not even resonant in a lot of places in the world, right? Right. Um, and it's just, so that's very, very U.S. centric for a, a movement that is now in, you know, 60 plus countries formally um, and many more countries informally. Uh, and then I think we would never have foreseen this sort of global network of leaders that have become this interconnected peer learning ecosystem, uh, which is one of the things that, you know, you, you just don't see from the sort of front facing giving to the, and, and don't need to. Not everybody needs to know that that exists. But when we're thinking, you know, about the nonprofit sector and sort of about um, community building, that ecosystem of people is really, really critical to that whole idea. I want to spend a little bit more time on that because, you know, there are some common misconceptions of Giving Tuesday. And you've you've already hit on a couple just at, at a touch, but I think it's worth spending more time on, you know, the the misconception of it being a fundraising day versus the broader definition of it, uh, or, or even who giving Tuesday is talk about those misconceptions and, and what that looks like for your team in terms of how you apply resources or, or what misconceptions may frustrate you or not frustrate you and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the, the misconception that giving Tuesday is just a fundraising day does frustrate me. It doesn't frustrate me because I think that fundraising is bad. I'm really, really thrilled that Giving Tuesday leads to many organizations, including small and mid-sized organizations, being able to gather more resource um, and to use Giving Tuesday as a megaphone for their causes and issues. I think that's amazing, and I think it's critical. And um, and beyond that, I think that those organizations really grow in collaborative and innovative capacity as a result of their 
use of Giving Tuesday as a platform. Um, so I think that all of that is is totally, totally wonderful. It's the, it's not the but, it's the and, right? Mm-hmm. So Giving Tuesday is also um, used by uh, by communities from tiny little towns to big cities to entire states to communities in t- other countries to entire countries um, really as a strategy to grow generosity in those countries, in those communities, with the belief that a more generous community of whatever size um, is going to lead to a healthier and more resilient community on almost every level. So, you know, Giving Tuesday in um, in Brazil, right, looks like Giving Tuesday in Brazil because the movement is meant to be entirely adaptable and co-owned by those who are participating in it. And in Brazil, they are really specifically trying to grow donation culture, right? Because there's there's a, certainly a lot of generosity. There's a lot of generosity everywhere, um, but not expressed in that particular way. And it's really essential that that part of civil society be strengthened. But there are plenty of other places where that's not the goal of Giving Tuesday, right? There, where um, there are countries that participate in the movement that are uh, either in crisis, like Venezuela, um, that are at a, that are sort of post-conflict, or that are new democracies, that are really using Giving Tuesday as a way to rebuild civil society and form strong civic bonds based yeah. on the common universal value of generosity. And none of that has anything to do with fundraising, right? So it's 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 the totality of what I see as Giving Tuesday that makes it so extremely meaningful at a level that really transcends, um, you know, clicking a donate button or writing a check. And the only reason it gets frustrating to me is that I see, you know, I see people complaining about how many, you know, emails from nonprofits they have to delete on the day. And I just think, oh my God, like delete the emails. And instead of complaining about it, like go out and use this day to do something good for the world or your community. The way that, so many people all over the world who have nowhere near the privilege that most of us do um, sure. are doing. So how so do you how do you balance the? You're right because the, and this is fascinating. the The idea of how a movement like Giving Tuesday grows is that you have empowered through the community of ambassadors, which has continued to grow, for those ambassadors to adapt the idea of giving Tuesday to what makes sense to their community. So exactly right. That's exactly so then right. the, how does that fit into the overall larger picture? Like, it's just interesting how, how evolving giving Tuesday seems to be versus you're right in the U S and particularly in the nonprofit marketing space, we think of it as, Oh, it is a fundraising day or a fundraising window where we have to have a fundraising strategy. How do you balance your perspective of those two being based here in the U.S. and and seeing all of the success that uh, and financial success that comes out of it? How do you balance your perspective of that versus what happens in the, you know, 59 other countries where there's a presence? You know, first of all, I balance it because I don't see any conflict between the two, right? Like, I think that part of it is a really important part. It's rolling along really nicely, right? Last year, $400 million plus was donated to nonprofits in 24 hours, and that's just online because that's all we're able to count. Mm-hmm. That's that's a massive amount of money. So, like, that train is rolling, and nonprofits are doing amazing things, and there are so many tools and resources 
not just that we provide, but that are provided by others at this point um, to help those organizations do better. Uh, you know, the that that exists within, not in conflict with, within your ecosystem of what Giving Tuesday is. And so it's it's really amazing, actually. So each country, right, has its own sort of priority and goal for for Giving Tuesday, the, the movement, not the day, right? The, mm-hmm. the day we think of as one day of celebration of something that we do all year round, like a wedding anniversary, right? Um, so like the, that's the day the world comes together to celebrate, but like that's, that's just the day the world comes together to celebrate. It's not, um, it's not, it doesn't at all stop there. Yeah. So all of these folks like doing what, you know, what they need Giving Tuesday to do at the same time, there is absolutely an overarching unifying vision to Giving Tuesday. And that is um, a more just world fueled by generosity, a world where uh, where every interaction we have, where every policy we create, where the way we treat each other, where the way we form our civic spaces and our communities um, is fueled by generosity. And with, with the very deep belief that we have that generosity is both an end, right? It's an, one generous act is incredibly meaningful of whatever type, but it's also a means to an end that generosity is going to lead to other pro-social behaviors and other forms of civic participation. So that overarching belief is what unifies this worldwide network of people and organizations and leaders. But at the same time, they're all allowed to sort of then pull it down and use it in the way that makes the most sense for them. So um, we, we've also chatted about how, um, you know, there's also sleep in Wednesday, right? The day after uh, Giving yeah. Tuesday where where you and your team can exhale for just a moment. But I, I, w- I would love for you to expand on um, how your team is made up uh, and, and, and really how you build your st- strategic plan. I, I would argue that many nonprofit marketers, folks that listen to this podcast and, and others like it, uh, don't have a frame of reference of there being a dedicated team tied to this, right? They think of it as this nebulous day that they latch onto and uh, and then promote and, and benefit from. But you know, I'm I'm really curious about your your team makeup and and the process that you go through to build your strategic plan for that movement on an annual basis, not just tied to the one day. Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, um, it's really interesting because in the very beginning of Giving Tuesday, um, we actually thought, uh, you know, like if this thing takes off, we can just sort of fade into the background, not exist anymore, right, mm-hmm. as a sort of catalytic part of the of the whole thing. And mm-hmm. it, just, it just will be in the ether, like it will just be a thing that exists and people do what they want with it. And that's a good description of Cyber Monday, right? It right. was created within within a corporation, and people took it and they adapt it, and they they co-own it, and they do um, what they want with it, and they make a lot of money. Uh, but but Cyber Monday is not ever going to be anything more than Cyber Monday is, um, mm-hmm. and, and it will forever just be whatever it is until it morphs into something else. So exactly. at some point, yeah. we realized, especially with the the global growth, with this, with the community growth of these um, of all of these different types of leaders, we don't even call them leaders. Actually, we call them hand raisers because they it takes a certain type of leader to step forward and say, I want to do this, right? Absolutely. I want to, I want to lead this movement, um, which can, which is, is a lot of work and, and has some big challenges. So over the course of the years, we sort of realized like our role was actually becoming more important and not less important. That doesn't mean that we ever want to become a sort of institutionalized, um, top down, you know, hierarchical structure that's telling everybody what to do far from it. 
we have 10 people, you know, we're a really small core team. Um, and well, I mean, we have 10 people on the payroll, we have hundreds and hundreds of people not on the payroll, sure. it's kind of a, an, an odd sort of structure to be able to, to describe, um, because we have these 10 people, these 10 people, we, we describe ourselves as the backbone organization to the global movement, mm. right? So we are whatever, in whatever way you think of that, right? We, we exist to support, we exist to amplify, we exist to raise resources that then we kind of strategically deploy toward the things that we feel are the most meaningful or the highest in, you know, world-changing potential, the world-changing potential. This episode of Group Thinkers is brought to you by the RKD Group blog. You might be listening on a mobile device right now, and if so, you can go ahead and open up a browser window and visit rkdgroup.com slash blog. When you get there, you're going to find all sorts of resources tackling issues that are current in the nonprofit marketing space. There's channel-specific resources focused on direct mail, digital, multi-channel and even omni-channel. There's also hot topics like GDPR, mid-level, digital media, look back windows, and more. It's all over at rkdgroup.com slash blog. And now back to group thinkers. Mm -hmm. Um, With regard to your strategic plan question, it's really interesting because we actually didn't do a strategic plan for years. And Mm -hmm. We were sort of anti it, to be totally honest with you, because we just didn't really believe in the strategic planning process as being very useful. Um, And because how do you strategically plan for a movement? Like, it's not like we were an organization, right? We were this growing, evolving, breathing, changing organism. And it's really hard to do a strategic plan for something that's changing that radically every year. So around the sort of five-year mark, um, you know, our, our main supporters have for years been the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And, you know, they're wonderful partners in the sense that they really encourage innovation. They're, um, they have always encouraged us to experiment. You know, anybody who works with funders knows that that's really a precious, precious mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, at one point they said, like, you know, you need to do a strategic planning process. And, <laughs> and we said, okay, you know, uh. we will. Um, you got to grow up a little like, bit, right? Yeah, right? that yeah. was exactly what we said. Okay, time to grow up a little bit. And yeah. it was exactly the right thing at exactly the right time. So we built a theory of change um, and, you know, a theory of change map that was extensive. And when we had to, you know, come up with our ultimate vision for where this movement would go if we lived in the ideal world, it is, you know, just a fundamentally more just and generous world on every yeah. level in the social sector in the community level at the policy level um, just in you know in in every way in a, a, a world where generosity is just the core value uh, at the heart of everything we do and then we worked backwards from there so like mm. what what is each what is the outcome that needs to lead to that what's the outcome that needs to lead to that what's the outcome that needs to lead to that and then that sort of boiled up into our big strategic pillars um, of which there are seven which is a little a little silly, but it's really hard again to sort of narrow down, um, you know, a movement like this. Yeah. Uh, and, and it did, it really, really helped us focus, especially as we spun out of the 92nd street Y and, you know, we're, we're independent and which we are now independent for the first time. So we're at this really interesting inflection point where 
we're um, at one point, you know, on one side of things, we're eight years old, right? We're kind of an established um, mm-hmm. day on the calendar and an established movement. Um, and on the other hand, we're a nonprofit startup. Yeah. So we, we need, you know, we need, we are in that dual mode, which is really, really a fascinating place to be. And having a little bit more of a clear roadmap is definitely the right thing for now. In the beginning, I think it was great that we didn't do that. We didn't take the normal sort of nonprofit or institutional route toward getting something out into the world. We really Mm -hmm. just built and built and built, and we learned from it being out there rather than learning from endless committee meetings, right? Those are two totally different ways to build something. We much more went the MVP route, right? We had this like, you know, basic idea, Mm -hmm. um, this basic kind of coalition of friends and supporters and, you know, and out there it went and everything that's happened since is our guide. That's, you know, we, we both, we say we both lead and follow Giving Tuesday. So in your, in your nonlinear path, even when you talk about your nonlinear path and your time at the 92nd street, why, you know, you're working on this as a project at what point either then or after year one, year two, et cetera, at what point did you realize, oh, this thing has like more than legs. Like this is, when did the idea of the movement become a reality of the impact that was being made? You know, there were, there's not just one moment. It was really a bunch of moments. And I, and I think that everybody on my team would probably speak about this um, in a very different and deeply personal way. So the, the idea of it was resonant both to people and organizations right away. Um, and so was the backlash, right? There were people who were like, I don't get this. I don't like this, blah, blah, blah. Um, right. That's fine. Don't, don't do it then. Um, right. You know, so right away, like, you know, our, our first goal was to get 100 nonprofits to sign on and say they would do something for Giving Tuesday that first year in 2012. And we ended up with 2,500 nonprofits. And that was mm-hmm. in like 60 days, right? Mm-hmm. And so if, in that way, it seems like it was the right idea at the right time. But the fact that it um, that it grew such deep roots so the human level, mm-hmm. that was the moment for me that, you know, I, that I thought, oh, this is this is really amazing. This is this is really special. Um, another early moment for me was when the first Giving Tuesday community campaign happened. So there are we have 200 just in the United States, nearing 500 all over the world now. But the fact that like that a small town with 10 nonprofits, right, or that a medium sized city or that a couple of counties, you know, neighboring counties, whatever it might be, sort of uses Giving Tuesday to pull together local businesses, local families, local, you know, nonprofits, um, local government houses of worship and sort of have this big celebration of civic pride. That was not something that I anticipated in, in any way. Um, and, and I found really, really sort of deeply meaningful. So mm-hmm. those are sort of early, um, early moments that stick out in my mind. And there's also, there's this woman who's in every one of my Giving Tuesday presentations. She would probably be completely shocked if she knew that. But this, this just a random woman, I don't even know her name, who posted the very first Giving Tuesday um, herself holding a sign with the Giving Tuesday hashtag. And it said, um, I may not be wealthy. I don't have a million dollars, but I can help change lives on Giving Tuesday. Wow. And I just thought, wow. like, if, 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 more, if she feels that way, like, times a hundred, times a thousand, times a million, that's, that right there makes this an amazing thing. Because I think our society tends to 
divide people in in what in what in my opinion is a really toxic way into those who have and those who need right mm-hmm. and as you know as someone who grew up in circumstances where i my family was often in need that i know that that feeling can be really disempowering um even humiliating right and and no one should ever have to feel that way and i think that one way to ease that feeling is instead to have the philosophy and live it that everybody has something to give. Yeah. Right. That, that those who have also need and those who need also have. And so one of the things our giving Tuesday leaders around the world are doing is really like acting on that principle that in their communities on giving Tuesday, it's not about the rich and the poor. Um, and you know, and often it's not about money at all. It's about solidarity. It's about like we're all humans. We're we're all humans together, and what can each one of us bring to the common table? We all sit at, and what can what can each one of us take away from it as well? You shared with me some incredible examples of things that you're hearing from the field, uh, new campaigns or efforts, people that are stepping stepping up and doing uh, really unique work. And, uh, would you share with, with the group, some of those moments, some like the, uh, the child in Oakland and giving voices, share some of those stories. I think that those are so good for, for folks to hear and for us to raise the profile on. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're going to have to shut me up. Um, so the (laughs) the kid you're referencing, there's a little girl in uh, Oakland, California. She's 12. Maybe she's turned 13 at this point. We started working with her, um, quite a while ago. Um, but uh, she invented Giving Tuesday Kids. I mean, she just like decided to create it and launch it. And it was amazing to me that in all of these years, we've never thought of Giving Tuesday Kids. Like it's right. such a wonderful idea. Um, and she's, a, this kid is a, a giving dynamo anyway. Um, you know, she's really deeply invested in giving back and in her community and in using social media to really spread the word about what she does and to build a community of other kids um, who are also doing amazing, you know, altruistic, philanthropic, generous things. Mm. And so she got in touch with us, like, you know, I'm, I'm launching Giving Tuesday Kids. And so this is one of those moments where we say, okay, you know, we have, we still have, you know, we have more resource certainly than we did in, in early days, right. When we had literally nothing. Um, but we still have to decide kind of strategically where to deploy that. It's still, it's still finite resource. Right. Right. Um, and this is one of those moments where we say, like this is one of those places, right? We, we really want to help make this a success, not in any sense to take it from this kid, right? But to, but to follow her, right? And to use whatever, whatever ways we have to build her capacity, to build her network, to connect for her, to, to amplify her, um, to do that in whatever way we can. So, there, so she's one um, of the sort of examples of things that arise organically, the very recent example um, another story from from this year that I really love, um, and I, and I think goes back to what we were just talking about about the sort of bifurcation between those who have and those who need is um, this story from Brazil where uh, there are several different community, a bunch actually of community campaigns, those so, so towns and cities. Um, but then the students in those schools heard about it and they were like, "Wait, we want to give too, right? We don't only want to be the recipients of of." you know, of of charity, we want to be active in this generosity movement. And so what they decided to do was to 
to um, memorize poetry and then to go to local events there. And once they did that, they um, they loved it. And they started like going back to the, the homes for the elderly like, more often and volunteering for them and spending time with them in all of these different ways. So that story, you know, speaks to me about those who have and those who need, right? And also about um, is that it's generative, yeah. right? So if you, you, you might start with a really small act of generosity, um, but there's a big payoff to generosity, right? Like you, it, it really makes you feel good. I mean, this, this is daily touching your baby or having yes. sex or eating a delicious meal, like literally the same hormone. Right. Um, so once you do it, right, and, 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 and assuming that your, your entry into it is a, is a good experience, Right, um, right. And, and yes. I tend to believe that, like, right, just like all those other things, um, I tend to believe that, like, giving in a celebratory way is going to be much stickier, ultimately, for people than giving in a guilt or shame-induced way. Yeah. Um, so once, like, once you do this first small action, whatever it is, and you feel good and you want to do more of it, like, imagine the long-tail effects of that, right? Imagine, you know, I, I, I imagine those kids in Brazil you know, whether they're going to these under-resourced schools or not, you know, sort of their worlds and their possibilities and their opportunities expanding and unfolding in front of them because they realize the agency that they have in their community, that they are not powerless, that they have, that they have voice, that they have. And, you know, from an organizational perspective, it's like you see the creativity and the innovation and most importantly, the collaboration um, really increasing year over year. And then just at a community and human level, you sort of see the same thing. That's incredible because you you think about it, you know, I'm just reflecting on even uh, I've got two little ones and whenever, whenever we've taken them to help with a food distribution at the the food bank that is in our community, like they feel good at, at eight yeah, and 11 and then they want to turn around and uh, continue that feeling, right? You, you search after that feeling just like you would the the emotional high from having endorphins fire off and um, everything that you just mentioned from a psychological standpoint. So, but what's so interesting about that, Asha, is the fact that it it might speak to a changing idea of philanthropy, right? Because you you know I've got to balance this idea in my mind of Giving Tuesday and its explosion. And there's there's never been anything that's exploded like this over the last seven or eight years in nonprofit marketing. Like this is a, it's a new paradigm and a way to think about and to contribute. And it's made such a splash, but it's also made such a splash in a time when the nonprofit marketing landscape is struggling in many ways. Right when you yeah. look at the 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 metrics around acquisition being down in the U.S., right, the U.S. alone, or you look at uh, the retention challenges that people are having, and so maybe there's something about the changing definition of generosity uh, and of philanthropy that plays into this of where you have movements like Giving Tuesday that are created that are helping spur and redefine generosity and philanthropy. I don't know. I, I think that I think that's totally true, um, and I and I do think that it is. Uh, so I just want to clarify that I'm no nonprofit expert aside from my involvement on Giving Tuesday. Like I'm not one of those people who graduated from college and was like, I want to enter the nonprofit world and never work for anything but a nonprofit. Like to me, that was just I wanted to do something enjoyable and meaningful. But to me, that was just a tax status. 
Yeah, yeah. totally, totally understand. Yeah, yeah, um, of course. So, you know, I've never, in fact, one of the funniest things that happens to me sort of on a routine basis now is that I get, I get headhunted for chief development officer roles, which I think is hilarious because I've never held a development or fundraising position in my entire <laughs> career. Well, but let's be honest, you're also partly responsible for raising a heck of a lot of money. So I'm not yeah, going to no, it's just I know, it's just funny. It's just funny. But anyway, so, so just with that clarification that like I – I'm actually in a really interesting position because I am not a lifelong nonprofit worker, social sector person right. that I feel like it, it it has allowed me to look at it a bit with fresh outside eyes, right? So to really just observe what's going on. And and so some of the things that I've observed, um, you know, are, are really critical to, you know, about, about the nonprofit world. And um, but, but because I want it to get better, right. Because I want it to be vibrant and I want it to be sustainable and I want yeah. it to be, um, to be healthy and innovative and all of that stuff. And I think yeah. that one problem is that we tend to, um, not, not every organization, but, but some certainly tend to operate on a set of assumptions that were created, you know, not at this time, right. Like whether it was 10 years ago or 25 years ago, none of that stuff can just be assumed to be true anymore, right? Mm-hmm. We, we have to adapt to the moment that we're in now and wringing our hands about it is not going to make that moment pass any faster or mean that things won't continue to rapidly change. Um, so just like just the one thing you just mentioned in terms of, of retention um, and all of the issues around data that that brings up, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I hear like so. I hear so many concerns about this, and get so many questions about it. And you know, so you, you somebody donates to somebody's birthday fundraiser, right, on on Facebook, and um, you know th- that organization. Then it's like, oh, I didn't get that person's name or email. But the likelihood is that that person doesn't want to hear from you anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, they donated because someone in their network asked them to donate. They donated mm-hmm. for the person. Yes. They didn't donate for the organization. And I, guess I, did, I do this all the time myself, right? I donate because somebody I care about asked me to donate to something that they care about. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's a pretty meaningful way to donate. Um, but, but it doesn't mean that I want to necessarily be stewarded. So I think that the, 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 the sweeping changes in the way that people are communicating and connecting with each other and giving, right, those things are, are changing so so fast and it's not our job to try to change them back, but to adapt to those changes in the way that they're happening. I love that. I absolutely love that. So, so then in the spirit of adaptation, uh, what's, what's next for giving Tuesday? Like, Where do you, so, you know, this is going to be live on giving Tuesday, 2019, but as even as now, as you're thinking about 2020 and beyond, and now that we are, um, we've had to grow up a little bit and <laughs> put together that, that longer <laughs> vision strategic plan. Like, what does the yeah. future look like and, and what's next for Giving Tuesday? So I, I think what we've, you know, what we've seen with Giving Tuesday in the past seven years is just this um, sort of exponential growth of a collective, right? A collective of people who care about, um, about doing good, Um and, and spreading generosity. And that means uh, the people who are in that collective are in leadership positions, they're in organizational positions, they're in community positions, and they're just regular people. Um, but that coalition has, that collective has so much growth still to do. You know, most people still don't even know that Giving Tuesday exists. So, you know, I think what we would love is to see Giving Tuesday be 
the world's first global day of anything, mm. not just of generosity. There's no single day, no single ritual that the entire world celebrates together, right? Not even New Year's. Mm. And it seemed in the very beginning like the first global day was going to be Cyber Monday. Let's see. It's like, it seemed like if we could just piggyback on Cyber Monday, that would have been a win. But right. now I think we actually could outpace that growth. Um, and so like deeper public awareness of not just Giving Tuesday, but what Giving Tuesday is of, um, of everybody's capacity to, to join into generosity behavior and, and an understanding of how deeply transformative that behavior is. Um, I think all of those are, you know, are sort of top line goals for us. And I think um, really trying to make sure that the movement penetrates every corner of society uh, so that it's not just the province of a few, but really of everybody to take and adapt in, in whatever ways are, are right for them. Um, and I think we're placing, you know, some, some kind of specific, um, energy and focus on especially partners who are, um, you know, both under-resourced and also, you know, in, in countries that are having a really hard time for various reasons. I think we really, feel a lot of investment in, you know, helping them deepen their impact and, and seeing the impact that, that that then has on, um, what are sometimes very fragile, fragile communities or fragile civil society. Uh, I, you know, Asha, I think it goes without saying that, um, the work that you do and that your team does is inspiring. And so I applaud you for not setting the bar low. <laughs> yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> The, you know, the, no, I love it. I need more of that in the sector. And so I really do. I, you know, I, I'm so appreciative of your leadership and certainly of your time. If someone is listening to this and they, um, they have not participated in Giving Tuesday as an organization or want to figure out ways to grow how they participate, um, where can they go? How can, how can they connect with you or members of the team online uh, to help build out their approach for Giving Tuesday? I guess the first stop would be, um, you know, sounds so banal, but the first stop would be our website, um, which we just try to talk what other people have done sort of at every level, like small, medium, and large organizations, corporations, and just, you know, individual people looking for sort of ideas of how to, how to connect. And I think, um, you know, on Giving Tuesday itself, it's, it's really infectious. You know, if you're on social media, you're going to see acts of generosity being, you know, sort of talked about. And, and even if the, even if you start just by replicating one of them, um, you know, again, it's, it's generative and, you know, there's no, there's no stealing in the generosity universe. You can take someone's idea someone's idea and, and do it. And there's yeah. just nothing, nothing wrong with that. Yes. Um, so people do, you know, things as small as, you know, buying coffee for the person in front of them or in back of them in line or bringing, you know, um, a meal to an elderly neighbor or, or just, you know, taking care to meet everybody's eyes that day. And, um, and to be extra kind, you know, those, those like tiny acts of, um, of kindness really make a huge difference in people's lives. And then once you realize that you're sort of inspired to do it more often, um, and then, you know, all the way to million dollar matches and, you know, giving circles and, you know, big sort of more, um, flamboyant acts of generosity. And, and like, we just celebrate everything, both of those things and everything in between. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's, uh, it's quite the joy to watch it unfold, uh, in a social feed on the day itself. Like that's a, that's a, a true joy of working in the space is seeing the impact that flows out through posts and videos and memes and numbers being shared and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you're, you're absolutely the best. I really appreciate you hanging out with me today and, uh, can't wait to connect again uh, after sleep in Wednesday to, to talk about <laughs> what's happening down the road. It has been a pleasure being with you. All right. Thanks, Asha. We'll talk again soon. So we'll talk again soon. So there's the chat with Asha Curran, CEO of Giving Tuesday. You know, when we finished recording this episode, it was a couple weeks ago um, in in early mid November. So when, whenever we finished recording the interview with with Asha, I immediately ran down the hall. Uh, I was just I was filled with adrenaline. Honestly, I had to share with members of the marketing team just how awesome Asha is and uh, the impact that this chat had on me and changing my perspective, both of Giving Tuesday as a singular day. Uh, and understanding the movement and understanding its impact on global philanthropy. I was really juiced by the the chat with Asha, and I hope that you were too in uh, in listening to her perspective. Um, you know, we, we've had a chance to talk with some really amazing people in the nonprofit marketing space over the course of our first two seasons now as we launch our third. And I honestly can't recall someone who has uh, expressed such uh a global impacting but reachable vision like Asha. And, and honestly, it's, it's inspiring. So if you're listening to this on Giving Tuesday, uh, do me a favor, be sure to follow, check out what Giving Tuesday is posting in their social feeds across the various different social platforms uh, to see stories of impact, examples like the one that Asha shares on the uh, the episode that we just listened to and to see some of the numbers that come in because as a marketer, uh, the metrics can sometimes drive us and get us really amped up. Uh, and, and while you're in your social feeds, again, throw us a follow at Group Thinkers on Twitter and at on Instagram. And uh, we can talk more about this episode about the chat with Asha. So that's it for this episode. Tune in next week as we chat with a different innovator, someone that's making a difference in the nonprofit marketing industry. And uh, we'll see you down the road. Group Thinkers is a production of RKD Group. For more information, visit rkdgroup.com slash podcast. Special thanks to our production team, including the talented Ryan Mellinger for his work on mixing every episode. Also a shout out to the content team that helps pull together research and guests, but it's the marketing efforts behind group thinkers, Suzanne, Ronnie, and others for their work on this and every episode of group thinkers.